Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. Man, I hope you understand that the reason why we do this every year is to save you some pain. It's to help protect the very thing God created you for, which is relationships. So before I get into it, we're going to actually read the Word of God this morning, the key passage this morning. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, and I believe that we should stand for the reading of God's Word. A lot of people were killed so that we could have the very Word of God, and I think it's an honoring thing that we stand for the reading of His Word. And Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 17 and 19 through 23. For you have been called to live in freedom. And I'd like to stop right there and just say sermon over. Because right there, you have been called to live in freedom. But so many of us are walking in life like we're bound. But we've been called to live in freedom. So what's, what's going on? And we're going to unpack that today. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve and love one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting, don't bite people. That's just awkward and weird. Just don't do it. And devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Can we actually for a moment think about sometimes the fact that we actually do that? Our anger, our unforgiveness, just the way that we sometimes conduct ourselves because we don't pause long enough to examine that we're devouring one another, we're destroying one another. The very thing we're called to protect, we're for some reason taking down. The Word of God preaches, my friend. If you want to get sermons, read the Word of God and your life will change. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. You know in movies when you see the good guy and the bad guy on the shoulder? Real thing. It's called spiritual warfare. Something is fighting for your heart. Something is fighting for God's purpose over your life. Something is fighting for you to do what God's called you to do. And something wants you to not do it, but something is fighting for you to do it. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. I mean, there's a lot. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said it, not me. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I need help on that one. Goodness. No, just kidding. It's the patient one that I need help on. (laughs) Kindness. I'm a kind person. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Father, I come before you. First of all, I say thank you for your word. Thank you that your word protects us. Thank you that your word guides us. Thank you, God. 
And Lord, more than anything this morning, as a vessel to be used for your honor, I pray that you would use the words that come out of my lips to help your sons and daughters. God, it's not about quotes. It's not about three-point sermons. God, it's about your people being changed, your people being set free, your people being just, Lord, empowered to love, to live and love the way you've called them to. God, I step out of the way. Holy Spirit, would you step in and just totally take this service and do as you please? In Jesus' name. And the church alive said, Amen. Amen. High five someone and say, Welcome. I love that a few of you actually said it the way I said it. Welcome, you know? Can we practice that together? Welcome. Yeah, there you go. Welcome. Anyway, so. Every year during the relationship series, Anthony speaks most of the time. Sometimes we share the stage, but he's a little like, I don't know, he's a little booger. Sometimes he gets up here and he throws me under the bus and he tells stories about me. So today's my turn to tell you a little bit about Anthony. Yeah, he's honestly an amazing man of God. And I really was more than blessed when God gave me this man and I didn't let him go. So, uh, but when I married Anthony, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, kind of, sort of, kind of knew what I was getting myself into. We dated for about two and a half years, almost three years, and it was great because we really got to know each other really well. I think a lot of times, um, a lot of people start planning their weddings, but they don't actually understand and know each other well. And so we really spent time getting to know each other. We read books, devo uh, devotionals together, and really got to know each other. And we went through a lot, actually, in our dating relationship, like a lot, it was like brutal. I'd be like, if, if, I, if you would have told me our story, I'd be like, go run, you know what I'm saying? Um, but God was just doing something in, in, in us, and it was really cool. One of the things that I learned about him, though, was that he loved sports. He was the captain of the tennis team, and he was great at what he did. But also, I learned that more than sports, more than loving sports, Anthony really loved and loves to work out. And that was cool while we were dating until we got married, because that translated this. It meant that when you go into my house, in different corners of every room, you were going to find weird workout things, <laughs> like weird things that I don't even know what they're called. You know what I'm saying? So if you go into my house, we have a little half bath. It's small to the point, and this is maybe TMI, but whatever. It's to the point where it's so small that if you're tall, you actually have to turn your legs to fit in the bathroom. That's how small our guest bathroom is, or our half bath. Anyway, there's this massive chin-up bar, or whatever it's called, those things that you lift your body with, you know? But it's not just a bar. It's this weird curvy thing that almost is the size of a human being. And it just stays in there and it aggravates me. I'm like, can we not have this in here? And now Ben is following in his footsteps. And so he's doing chin-ups. And then we have the free weights. And Anthony loves to challenge himself. So it's not just free weights. It's the plates that you put on it. Like, look, babe, I added another plate. You know what I'm saying? I was like, great, baby. Build those biceps. Build those guns, baby, you know? And then those are everywhere, and they're so heavy, they could risk rolling on my little Hopi's toes, but whatever, I deal with it. You know, he wants to be healthy, go for a baby. And then you have these bright-colored yoga mats that match nothing like my house, but they always seem to be out, laying out in my living room. The best, though, is when he's on those bright yoga mats with these weird, foamy, black, round things. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 
the black, weird, foamy, round thing that it's like just it gives you excruciating pain. Like, I don't know why would you do something that causes you pain? I don't get it. Just go get a massage and like be in a spa. But Anthony likes to inflict pain. I don't know. I'll be watching a really nice movie and he'll be there rolling. I will videotape for you and I will put it on Instagram if you follow me. He literally will be laying there. He's like, "This is great, babe." Oh, oh, and I'm like. Why? Like I will never use that weird black foamy round thingy, whatever it's called. I think it's a mus muscle foam roller. Is that what it is? Okay, whatever. And my favorite, which is not my favorite, my favorite, not my favorite, drenched T-shirt. Anthony loves to work out so well that he makes sure not one ounce of cotton is left dry on his T-shirt. It must be dripping, and that's when he knows he has accomplished the best workout. And then he proceeds to walk in. Hey, babe, I had a great workout. I'm like, I can tell, baby. And then he takes his shirt, puts it on the laundry machine, and then yeah, I have to go and place it in there because like he won't put it in the machine. He just leaves it on top of the machine, you know. <laughs> Ladies, I feel your pain. I feel your pain, okay? <laughs> But the interesting thing was a couple of years ago, these weird things started showing up. <laughs> Anyone know what these weird things are? You're not supposed to do this, like. You know, like you know, at Bethel, there's those really nice banner things. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Okay, I was like, whoa, these are. Did my kids go up in the attic and find like old '80s outfits? Was it like a GI Joe thing? I'm not sure. And so I started throwing them out because they were everywhere in my house, everywhere. So I'm like, what the? What? What? I'm like, Rachel, is this yours? She's like, no, Ben. He's like, it's Dad's. I'm like, of course it's Dad's. So I'm like, hey, baby. Um, What are these spandex weird thingies? And he's like, he's like, babe, you know, have all those injuries, you know? I'm like, oh, from getting from working out so much. He's like, yeah, yeah, that stuff. I'm just kidding, babe. I love you. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's like a low impact way for you to gain strength. It helps you work your muscles. It's resistance training. It's strength training. I was like, that will preach. I was like, okay. And so he uses it, and a physical therapist will give it to people to help them build their muscle in a low impact kind of way. And as I started thinking about life, and as I started thinking about relationships, right? There's a lot of resistance training we need to get good at, so that we can build some kind of foundation, so that we can have the kind of marriages, the kind of relationships that God's called us to have. So I want you to look to the person next to you and say, "Hey, the greater the resistance, the stronger you get." Tell the other person behind you or in front of you or whatever, "The greater the resistance." The stronger you get. I want to tell you today that if you're in a relationship and you're in a toxic relationship, you're dating someone, you're you're you know just getting to know, and this relationship is toxic. I pray that this message can open up some eyes so that you can go running, get a pair of Reeboks, get a Jordan. I don't care what you get. Run for the hills and run as fast as you can. Because sometimes we think that we can get into relationships to fix people. We're not called to fix people. We're called to come in as a whole. We, God has made us whole, and actually, marriage and relationships exposes us more than anything. If perhaps you're in here and you're headed for a divorce, I pray in the name of Jesus, and I declare and I prophesy in this room that perhaps the fire and the power and the hope and the love and the peace of Jesus would just come upon you now, and you would say, you know what? We could do this. We're going to try this again. We're going to forgive. We're going to declare. We're going to keep Jesus at the center of our relationship, and we're going to get through this. I declare in Jesus' name that if marriages are in here and they're going south, I pray by the name of Jesus that you. Will start having hope and feeling and experiencing the presence and breath of God over those marriages. But maybe you're divorced, 
And maybe series like these just accentuate the pain. Maybe sometimes the shame, or I don't know the feelings you might feel with a divorce. I pray that this series would give you wisdom and strength so that it becomes a platform for purpose, so that you can comfort people. You can bring people along the journey and say, hey, I did it that way, it didn't work, but do it this way. God's word says this, you can help others. You can help others save them pain. You can help others save some pain. So today's message is going to be a bit of strength training or resistance training so that you can fight for your relationships. Too many of us fight in our relationships, but we don't fight for our relationships. And we're called to protect them and cherish them. Anthony said something interesting last week. He said too many of us tolerate our relationships, but we're meant to celebrate our relationships, cultivate them in a way that we're not just tolerating, just making it to the end, but that we're loving each other and celebrating each other in Jesus' name. So what are some attitudes or mindsets that we need to resist so our relationships can grow stronger? What are some resistance bands that we need in our life so that we can grow, so that our muscles, our character, the different things that are in our soil can be exercised, can be challenged, so that we can be the kind of people that God has called us to be? We're going to talk about three different attitudes or mindsets or behaviors today that will help strengthen you so that you can fight for your relationships. The first one's compromise. The second one is honor. And the third one is forgiveness. Number one, resist the urge to compromise. Compromise in relationships is good, but there's some compromise that you make in relationships that can be toxic. Some good compromises are laying down a preference so that you can do something for your spouse. Maybe you don't like baseball games and he loves it. And so you go. That's a great compromise, right? A good compromise is where you spend your holidays every other year, right? Another good compromise is meeting in the middle or how you fight could be differently than each other. But there are compromises I want to warn you today about that if you don't resist them, they will take out your relationships. And it doesn't just stop there. It takes you out. So often we think, oh, it's okay, I'll get another relationship. But if the patterns keep being repeated, it's not the other person. The common denominator is you. And so we need to change. I need to change. The relationship series, when I'm listening to my husband speak, it's not what he needs to improve. It's what I need to improve. And this message was very challenging for me. I was telling uh, one of the girls this morning, I was like, it was really painful writing this message because I was convicted the entire way through. I felt like the Holy Spirit was like yelling at me in a very loving way. But it was like, yeah, Miriam, exactly. Yeah, you, Miriam. I'm like, okay, stop it. I get the point, okay? So as I'm speaking, I'm definitely letting the Holy Holy Spirit do something in me as well. But here's what you need to do when it comes to resisting the urge to compromise. Resist the urge to compromise boundary. Here's the thing. We talk a lot about boundaries, but do you even have them set? Do you even know what boundaries that like you need to have? Have you written them down? And now all the married people are like, yeah, young people, single people, ha ha. No, this is for you too. Married people, I mean, people who are having adulterous affairs, it's not just sing it's not single people, it's married people. And so married people, I have a question for you. Have you set your boundaries with relationships of people of the opposite sex? Sometimes, I, I love actually uh, one of the young couples in our church, Mark and Esther, I think this is so cool. They have this as a boundary in their marriage. They created a group chat 
where if one of them has to text, for example, me, let's say Mark has to text me about something for church, he adds Anthony and his wife Esther in there. Not because anything weird's gonna happen, but because that's a boundary. But Pastor Miriam, that sounds ridiculous. It, nothing's gonna happen, but it's a boundary. It's something that's put there to protect. It's a fence that he created to protect anything. So it's not just with us, it's with all of their friends. And I was like, I love that. More people need to actually develop something where they create these boundaries, this fence around the thing they're called to protect, which is the relationship. If you think about a fence, it has many pieces to it to form that angle or that barrier around your house or whatever. What is it called? Barrier? Yeah, you get it, what I'm saying. Roll with me, people. <laughs> so first off, you have to have boundaries. Write them down. Don't just leave today and just be like, great message, Pastor Miriam. What really makes Anthony and I encouraged isn't the great message, Pastor Miriam. It's the, wow, I went home and I did it. I went home and I wrote it. Maybe some of you right now have to put a reminder on, hey, Siri, remind me when I get home, set boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Now you have like single people like, yeah, that's just for the married people. That's just for the uh, dating people. Single people, you need boundaries too where to go, where to not go, what to do, what to not do, what places are good for you, what places are toxic for you. You know what I'm saying? Which friends are actually there to encourage you and what friends are actually there to take you down. The party scene, we just read about it. It will leave you high and dry. It will leave you filled with regrets. The word of God is not there to stifle your joy. The word of God is not there to take fun away from you. It is there to save you pain. It is there to protect you. Have boundaries. Resist the urge to compromise, though, the boundary. So you have the boundary, but sometimes what we do is we have a list of, let's say, five boundaries. And we're like, well, if we break that one boundary, it's okay because it's not like I'm doing anything wrong. It's just a boundary. And so what we wind up doing is we keep, you know, breaking the boundary, breaking the boundary. Before you know it, it's a domino effect. All of the dominoes come down and it's down. Resist the urge. If you've set boundaries, be committed. Like, I don't know, who, like the rock is committed to his workout. You know what I'm saying? He gets up at like four in the morning and has like five breakfasts and like is up. I'm like, you're crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? But we have to resist the urge to allow our boundaries to be compromised. It's this thing that will keep you. And I'll tell you, the moment you start offending your boundaries, drama will start happening. Drama always happens when that happens. Hey, resist the urge to compromise your faith, your convictions, and character for a relationship. Resist the urge to compromise your faith, convictions, and character. I mean, I can go on for that, but I'm going to leave it at that. Resist the urge to compromise your health, your spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health when dating someone who might be toxic for you, or maybe even a friendship that drains you. It doesn't mean you leave them and like, oh, I'm better than you. No, it just means like, God, give me wisdom and how to navigate this relationship because this is not good for me. It's in a friendship. If you're dating someone and this is all happening to you, bounce, friend, like get out. You know what I mean? Resist the urge. Resist the urge. Again, marriage does not fix them. It exposes more of them. Number two, this is so important, and this is an area I'm like, Lord, just do that work in me, but resist the urge to dishonor. Resist the urge to dishonor, even when we feel the person is worthy of dishonor. 
resist the urge to dishonor. Sometimes we're kinder to strangers than we are to the very people that we say we love. We're kinder to other people's kids than we are to our own. We're kinder to other people's spouses. Like, hey, I, rec- I see your haircut. And your wife's like, I-, I got a haircut yesterday too. Like we're kinder to people that do nothing for us, given us nothing, and we treat the ones that we're supposed to love, cherish, protect, and we just treat them with disregard. Where you water is where the grass will be greener. Resist the urge to dishonor each other in a fight. That's so important, and that's where so many of us sometimes get stuck. Sometimes in a fight, in an argument, words will just come out, but once the word's out, it's not like, oh, let me grab that back. Once it's out, words sting. That stupid lie that you grew up hearing, words, what is it? Sticks and stones may break my bone, but words will never hurt me. Did I say that right? Something like that. That's a lie. Words cut deep. They cut deep and they hurt and they're really hard to forget. So just, I think what happens is sometimes we're always in such a hurry. We're always rushing, even in our fights, we're just, we're just rushing so that we could be heard. But we don't listen to understand. We're not listening to our, our friend, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our husband, our wife, our parent. We're not listening so that we can understand what's wrong. We're listening so that we can respond and defend ourselves. Can we start listening so that we can understand and just sympathize why they might be angry? You might disagree for why they're angry. They shouldn't be angry at that, but they are. So can you just pause and actually sympathize for a moment with the fact that they're hurt? I feel like we're always so, it's like so anxious to defend ourselves and everything that it's, well, what's about me? I have to win this fight. If you win and your spouse loses, you both lose. You both lose because you're one, right? In relationships, it's about both of you growing, both of you moving forward. But if it's about you winning that fight and my point and blah, blah, and you get all whatever you get on yourself, like you lose. It might feel good for a moment, but your, your spouse just lost. Like you lost. You're supposed to be the number one cheerleader for that person. Resist the urge to dishonor with a quick tongue. Some have the gift of being witty, right? That wittiness sometimes, though, is at the expense of the people they love. You'll find them being condescending, like their jokes are, are, are always putting the people they love down, but they're really witty and cool, and everyone in the circle laughs, like, ha-ha, that was so funny. I'm that person, when someone like, says something witty to me, I'm dying for a comeback. A year later, I think of it. I'm like, I'm going to call them, I have a comeback. You know, like, I'm that person, it takes me forever to have a comeback but I used to think that was a bad thing. I used to like want to be quick-tongued. And now I realize it's not an asset to my personality, being witty at someone else's expense. It's not, I remember when Anthony and I were dating, this is a funny story. Well, it wasn't funny for me, I was like rebuked. And we were on our way, we literally just started dating. And uh, yeah, he rebuked me early, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, we were literally on our way to this really famous place. When you're in college and you're broke, you go to Sheets, that's where you go for date night. It's a gas station with really bad coffee, and that's where you go. And so like all your college friends are there like, yeah, we're so cool, you know? And so you get there, and I'm like, I thought it was funny to like, say stupid things like, oh, you're such a this, or like insulting him. I didn't think I was being like serious. I was just joking. And he literally put that car in park. He looked at me, he's like, Miriam, do you like me? And I was like, yeah, duh, I wouldn't be with you if I didn't like you. He's like, then how about you start treating me like you do? And I was like, why are you so defensive? Like, 
can you take a joke? Like, my gosh, you need a sense of humor. He's like, if you like someone, you're nice to someone, right? Like, if, if, if you're on a date with someone or if you're, if you, if you're say you love someone, like, why, do, why insult them? Like, why is that funny? And I was like, I thought I was funny, but I'm not. Okay, we'll stop. But that literally, like, he didn't mean to, like, put me in my place, or maybe he did, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never doing that again. Like, like I'm never doing that again. Not because, like, I felt corrected, but he was right. We shouldn't. We shouldn't, at other people's expense, think that we're funny and sometimes a quick tongue. We have to resist the urge to dishonor with it. Yeah. We need to resist also. We need to also think about this one. Sometimes we excuse dishonor in the name of overfamiliarity. In other words, when you know someone so well, your spouse, your mom, your dad, your whatever, when you're so close to someone or so used to someone, it's just easier to dishonor them, right? What a lame excuse we've given ourselves in treating our parents, our spouses, sometimes even God, with dishonor and disregard because we're so used to them. It's, we're just familiar. So, okay, so that's the goal, right? So if the goal is getting so close that we can be jerks to each other, what's the point? Let's just go live in a cave. Like, if we're going to, like, throw dishonor around because, you know, in the name of being over-familiar, then what's the point in, cu- in cultivating a relationship if at the end we're just going to be jerks to each other? Over-familiarity is just an excuse to excuse our behavior, but the real issue might be pride. It might be pride. Proverbs 11:2. when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. When we're in pride, we think we're better than others. We think that what we do is more important than others. We think our time is more important than others. Man, I think I've used this story once years ago. My mom is the sweetest woman in the world. She really is. She can call a lot and text a lot. You know, she's like, she loves me a lot, so she calls me a lot. And sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, if she calls me one more time. But every time she calls me, it's not to be annoying. Literally, every time she calls me, she's like, hey, I know you have a long week. Can I make you soup? And I'm like, mom, and I'm like a jerk to her sometimes. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Every time she reaches out to me is, can I do something for you? And sometimes we think we're too good. Our time is more valuable than someone else's. Like, I'm thinking, I'm working. Why are you calling me? But my time's not more valuable than my mom's time. And so often we treat each other with dishonor and disrespect because we think whatever we've got going on is more important. But people are valuable. People are valuable. And sometimes we're in pride when we think, well, it's just family. They'll always be there. Be careful. Not always. We have to slow down. We have to start paying attention to how we really treat the people we say we love. We have to be really careful. We have to slow down our relationships sometimes. It seems that we make our possessions more valuable than them. Sometimes as women, we care more about our wardrobe, our shoes, you know, or whatever you want to call them, than we do investing and being intentional with our spouse. Men, sometimes you guys are more concerned about your car, your gadgets, whatever it is that you guys love, your hobbies, and you invest more time in protecting that than you do your family. Maybe it's not a pride thing. Maybe it's a patience thing. Resist the urge. Resist the urge to allow impatience to treat people badly. I think we can all attest to that. We've all been there. Our impatience yesterday, oh my gosh, if I were to tell you my week, you guys would laugh. We had like a main water break thing in our house 
all of our piping, we had to like dig up our whole front yard. And we had like, there's a huge hole right now. It's like, oh my gosh, cost us an arm and a leg. And it was just like brutal. It's been a brutal, but awesome week because we're alive. Hallelujah. And so, and then we had like our friends got us these tickets uh, to go to New York and watch this Broadway show. And then right after that, we had to go to my sister's 25th anniversary. And it was like, bam, 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 three kids, Lord have mercy. Oh my gosh. And I was so stressed. And I have this message in my head, right? I've been preparing all week and everything inside of me, I'm like, I'm so impatient right now. I'm going to kill somebody right now. And, and I'm like, Miriam, your message, you can't be a hypocrite. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to kill somebody. Oh my gosh. And the whole time I'm feeling stressed and I'm like on the verge. And I was, there was moments where I was like yelling at my kids, like, hurry up. I told you to brush your teeth 10 times. You know what I'm saying? If you would tell them, go play the video games, they would do it before you even finish the sentence. You know what I mean? But sometimes that happens when we're rushing, when we're so busy, we don't slow down enough to evaluate the people that we're supposed to love and evaluate how we treat them. You know, Anthony said something to me when we, the night before we got married. He looked at me, I was like, babe, I don't know if it was the night before or like a few days before or something. He goes, what are your expectations of me when I'm married? And I was like, I don't know, like take the trash out, I guess, and be nice. I don't know, I didn't say be nice. He's the one who said that. He's like, take the trash and something else. And I don't remember what else. And then I was like, what about you, honey? Like, what are your expectations of me? He's like, let's just be nice. If, if everyone were just nice to each other, whoa. It's as simple as that. Kindness, gentleness, self-control. Resist the urge to always have to feel like you have to be right. Resist the urge to always feel like you have to win whatever it is that you need to win. Resist the urge. Be nice. Be kind. Like foreign, right? It's what we teach our children, but as adults, we forget that concept. Be kind. You know, if we think of something good to say, we just got to say it. If we think of something nice to do, do it. Because what happens is what we don't intentionally do, we unintentionally dishonor. When we don't intentionally honor, we wind up unintentionally dishonoring. You know, sometimes we just wait for birthdays and holidays and, and certain occasions like Valentine's Day to honor the people that we love, right? A couple times a year, huh, here's some flowers, here's a car, tell you I love you. It's like, thanks. The other day I was, well, not the other day, I do this regularly, I pass by a few cemeteries, and I often think as I look through the cemeteries, because there's lots in New Jersey, I don't know if you've noticed, like lots, you always see so many flowers in the graveyard, like so many flowers on, on, the, on the, the grave sites. And I'm just like, I wonder if those people got as many flowers before they died as they did after they died. I wonder if these people who get these visitors to their, to their grave site, if they get the amount of gifts and the amount of words and tears that they've got before. You know, about seven, eight years ago, I lost my nephew. He was 18 years old. I was so angry and confused and I was so upset. And I remember going to the cemetery and bringing flowers. I never brought flowers for my nephew. He's not a flower kind of guy anyway, you know. But I remember bringing honor, right, to his gravesite. I remember going and bringing, and then like a week later, I brought another gift. A week later, I brought another gift, and I would talk, and I would say, what the heck, Anthony, I was so proud of you with, with this and that, and Anthony, I'm so mad at you that this and that, and I thought to myself, why did I wait till now? <laughs> why do we wait until we can't anymore sometimes to salvage something, right? Why do we wait till things are about to go down the drain to try to save the very thing we're called to protect? 
Grab flowers. If you're not a flower type person, then take them out for coffee. Grab a blanket. Pick a nice movie. Maybe watch Love is, what is that movie called? The Star is Born and you're going to cry and like get tissues and whatever. I watched it twice this week and I was like dying. Anyway, but do things that you know they love. If flowers doesn't make them like excited, then don't get them that. They're going to be like, thanks for wasting the money. But do something. But if they do get you flowers, smile and say thank you. Okay, even though you might not like it. I don't know what your deal is. But the reality is what you don't intentionally honor, you wind up dishonoring. You unintentionally wind up dishonoring. Resist the urge, though, to think this is not important. Some of you are going to be like, oh, she knows that I love her. I remember Anthony telling a story once of this guy he used to work with. He's like, Anthony, I told my wife I loved her two times. The first time before I asked her to marry me, and the second time at our wedding day, and she cried both times. I'm like, I cry both times too. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the only time we're going to tell someone you love them? Run, lady, run! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my gosh, run, ladies! <laughs> But it's so important that you resist the urge to think you're going to do it next time. Some of you might have homework today after church. What are you going to do to honor that person that you say you love? Don't let just church be about tickling your ears. Church should lead to transformation. Church should lead to sanctification. If we're not changing, if we still look like the world week after week, if our life is not producing good fruit, we're wasting our time, people. We're wasting our time. Number three, and I'll have Steph come up and play for us. Resist the urge to hold a grudge. Resist the urge to hold a grudge. Resist unforgiveness. Ooh, this one's a tough one. Resist unforgiveness. When everything inside of you wants to hold on to the grudge because you feel it's your right to hold on. You feel it's your right to be angry. You feel it's your right to hold on to resentment and bitterness. You feel it's your right for them to feel what they did to you. You know what? I'm going to hold off a little bit longer because they need to know that hurt. They need to feel my absence because they're going to see what life is without me. And we do these things and we act these ways because we think it's our right to hold on to this unforgiveness. Let me tell you, my friend, you're just creating a prison for yourself. You're just putting yourself in a prison. Unforgiveness is the thief of your heart. Unforgiveness is the thief of your heart. Your heart should contain peace and joy and hope and love. And the moment unforgiveness resides in there, bitterness, lack of trust, all this stuff just starts to fester. And I want to tell you today, you need to release and heal so, and so that you can be basically moving forward. You need to release and heal, not hold and fester. You need to release and heal, not hold and fester. You know, sometimes what happens, though, is as Christians, when we start bleeding because we're hurt or disappointed, maybe you're disappointed in God and God didn't show up for you and you're like, I'm bleeding here. This is hard here. Like, like, and sometimes we just put on this mask and we avoid, we avoid dealing with the issue. We sweep it under the rug. We come to church. We're dying on the inside. We're bleeding on the inside. We've lost hope. We're disappointed. And we're like, God, I'm just going to pretend I'm not hurt. But you're dying on the inside. You've got to let yourself bleed sometimes. You've got to let yourself bleed sometimes. But my friend, then it's time to mend. When you're bleeding, 
when you're in pain, go get help. Go get prayer. We're going to talk about how God can heal you during that, how you can get forgiveness and how you can give forgiveness. But you need to know it's okay to be broken. God wants to piece you back together. God wants to piece you back together. He wants to mend and heal you. The reality is sometimes though, our pain could be so big. Our cut could be so big. We have all these things and we're like, what am I going to do? And, and you don't get help. And God is like, hey, let me stitch you back up. But it might take some time. When you feel like the pain is creeping in, I want us to remember something. Ephesians 4.32, it says, instead be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When we are tempted to not forgive someone, sometimes the very thing we did a few months before, when we're tempted to not forgive because it hurt, it stung, remember what Jesus did for us, how much he's forgiven us, how much he's given for us. When you're tempted to, to not forgive, just remember the cross. And at the cross, we're capable to forgive much because much was forgiven us. Sometimes you need to get worship on, get on your knees and ask Jesus to heal you. But I'll take it a step further. Sometimes when someone's hurt you, you need to start praying for them. Years ago, years ago, I don't know, like 10 years ago or so, someone did something really bad to me and my family. Really bad. It was probably the biggest thing I've ever, I ever had to forgive. And I remember going up to my bedroom, we still lived in Kearney, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Miriam, I want you to kneel right here next to your bed, and I want you to start praying for this person. I said, so that you will like murder him? Sure, <laughs> of course I'll pray for that God. No, and, <laughs> I'm not that crazy. <laughs> but I remember, I was like, God, why would I pray for this person? Why would I pray for you to bless this person? He hurt me. He hurt my parents. He hurt my family. Why? And he's like, Miriam, not for him. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the pain. Forgiveness will not minimize, sorry, will not minimize what the person did to you. Forgiveness doesn't do that. Forgiveness empowers you. Forgiveness heals you. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the pain someone puts you through. It just limits the power of that pain over you. Hear that again. It doesn't minimize the pain someone puts you through. It just limits their power over you. I remember, I felt, I don't know why, I felt like it was supposed to be 30 days I was supposed to pray for this guy. 30 days. Can you imagine 30 days praying for someone you wanted to kill? Like, oh my gosh. And I remember the first few days being on my knees and I was just like, Lord, I pray that you will send the card to, I mean, I pray that you would just bless. I pray. And I remember at first just gritting my teeth and trying to say what I needed to say. And it was hard, but the Holy Spirit said, just keep going, Miriam, keep praying. Eventually my prayer went from to like, Lord, all right, bless the family fine and then it went to like father I pray that you would open the heavens towards that family bless that man bless that man's ministry bless that what I, and I just started going and all of a sudden I'm interceding for a man that 30 days ago really broke our hearts and I felt so empowered I actually bumped into them a few times months later and I was like oh my gosh hi and they were like oh you're saying hi and I was like, and I forgot that I was supposed to be offended still I was like Oh yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh my gosh, I'm good. 
When you pray for the people that have hurt you, it's not about them. You want them to be blessed. It's about you. It releases you. It frees you. It empowers you. It enables you to love like God called us to love. Don't love like the world loves. They hold grudges. Hold like Jesus. He changes lives. Resist the urge. Resist the urge. You gotta resist the urge to hold on. When you hold on to that, it will cause you to fester. It will cause you more pain. It will cause you more agony than you were ever supposed to have with that pain. You are the master of that. You are in control of that moment, whether you release or not. Maybe some of you are hurt with God. God, you didn't come through, I thought you were. It's like, hold on, baby. I wanna show you why. I'm going to show you why. Don't be hurt with me. Tell me you're hurt. Tell me you're disappointed. Come and bleed at my altar, whatever. Come, but I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you what's at the other part of your pain. Just wait. Worship him through the pain. I'm telling you right now, if you're in relationships, and every single one of us are, you have to practice forgiveness regularly. You have to practice forgiveness regularly. We're going to hurt each other because we're human. But just remember, honor. Honor even when you're hurting with someone. Remember to honor them. You being angry someone for what they did to you doesn't give you the license to stoop back low at their level. So often we're like, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to let them hit it where it hurts really bad. <gasps> So what makes that right? What makes that right? Honor, be people of honor. Be people of honor and love. Put on Jesus. Put on love, wear that garment of praise and say, man, it hurts, but I will choose to forgive. I will choose to be honoring. I will not compromise a boundary. What's love got to do with compromise, forgiveness? Dishonor has everything to do with it. Because if you don't establish that as a foundation, your love, your relationships will be fragile and shallow and they'll quickly shatter. Yesterday, as we were driving into the city, Ben asked me an interesting question because he loves the skyscrapers and the, I mean, who doesn't? Those big buildings are so impressive, right? The Freedom Tower and man, we saw so many cool buildings as we were going in. He's like, mom, is there a limit to how tall a building could be? And I thought for a second, I was like, well, it depends on the foundation. Is there a limit to how amazing your relationships can be? Well, it depends on the foundation. It depends on your foundation. Can you forgive? Can you honor? Do you compromise boundaries? It depends on your foundation. It depends on your foundation. You know, maybe there's some people in here who may be resisting God. You don't trust them, maybe. You have questions about the condition of the world we live in. Questions about pain and suffering. Why would God allow evil if he's such a good God? And you hear those questions. And you see, when God created us, he created us with free will. He created us with the option to choose him or reject him. 
the option to choose good like I'm gonna live a good life I'm gonna do good things or I'm gonna do evil things and so when he created us he didn't want us to be robots he wanted to give you an option whether or not you're gonna have a Krispy Kreme donut or not and I appreciate that option because he probably wouldn't let me <laughs> so I like that he lets me have my Krispy Kreme donut sometimes <laughs> they're so good right but there are moments where we look at the world and we're so confused by God and we're so confused by pain and we're so confused by the evil that we see around us and we say where is God he is absent my friend he's not he's just absent from the people's hearts that are doing evil but what about the hunger and the famine and what about this and what about that he's called you and me to be his hands and feet to help solve hunger to help solve the hurting we are called God could do whatever he wants but he chose you he chose me to make the difference he wants you and I to be the vessels Pastor Miriam but you have no idea how much stuff I've done in my life. Do you know that you're God's greatest gift? My children, I don't sleep a lot, all right? <laughs> For 10 years now, I haven't slept a lot, but I don't regret either one of them. My children sometimes disobey me, but I don't regret either one of them. I know there will be seasons, maybe when they're in teenagers, and I'll let you know when to start fasting and praying for me. You know what I'm saying? That it's probably gonna be a little bit undaunting there, and a little bit hard, but I'll never regret them. God does not regret you. Maybe you've missed the mark. Maybe you're not perfect and where none of us are perfect. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've done, but God says he loves you and he would never leave you. And he doesn't wish he didn't have you. He doesn't think that. He doesn't regret you. So today all across this room, I want you to think about something. Maybe you're resisting God because you're not sure you can trust Him. But today I want to say, put your faith in Him. He will change your life. I'm not just saying that, you know, cliche things that pastors say, the best is yet to come. But that is the truth. It doesn't mean life will be easy. It means that when you place your faith in Jesus, you go on a journey that he's able to take what was intended for harm and turn it into good. You see, when Jesus is on your ship, when he is on your ship, it doesn't matter when the storms come, they can be calmed. Trust me, my friend, bring Jesus on that ship. He's the only one who can give us forgiveness. He's the only one that through his righteousness, we're made whole. He doesn't regret you. Your mistakes don't define God. His love defines you. So all across this room, would you stand? If maybe you've been resisting God because you're just confused why so much stuff happens in the world that we live in, can I just tell you, can you try God, trust Him? Again, it's not going to be an easy journey. There will be roller coasters. There will be questions that you'll have, things that happen in your life that you don't understand. You might say, I had faith, and it didn't come through. Give him some time, and you'll see what's going to happen. Everything is made perfect in his time. Everything is made perfect in his time. Doesn't mean it won't hurt. You see, he wants us to love. But to feel love, you have to feel pain too. You have to feel the opposite, right? You have to feel the different thing. And his love and love is so great to not have it. We'd be like, do you guys know that emoji, the meh emoji, emoji movie? Like everything is like meh. 
Do you want to be that person? Yeah. But when you experience love and when you experience what God has for you, you can't be meh. You know, if you want to slap you and be like, bro, wake up. You know what I'm saying? God has put love in you so that you can experience His promises, His purpose for your life. All across this room, you are God's greatest gift to Him despite your failures. Will you place your trust in Him today for the forgiveness of your sins? Will you say, I want it His way. I want Him to be Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, would we just bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes. This is a private moment for people in this room. They want to make their life's right with God. They, they want to come home to God. If that's you, can you just slip your hand so I can see it? Like, I want to place my faith in Jesus today. I want to trust him today. I see that hand. I see that hand all across this room. I see those hands. If you, Yep, I see those hands. If you're saying, I want to play, yep, I see your hands all across there. Yep. If you're saying, I want to place my hope in Jesus today. I want him to forgive me. I want to go on this journey. I don't have all the answers, but I trust him. Then all across this room, lift your hands up so I can see it. That's awesome. I see every single hand all across this room. I see you. I see you. We're going to pray this prayer real quickly together. And it's a simple prayer. It just basically says, Father, I thank you for the cross, the bridge of Jesus that gives me mercies every morning and grace every morning. I thank you for it. And I pray that you would forgive me. And I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. That's all that that prayer is going to say. So I'm going to invite every single person to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you don't regret me. Thank you that you forgive me. I place my trust in you. I place my hope in you. And I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, some people in here have some wrongs to right. Maybe you have unforgiveness towards someone or maybe you came in today dishonoring someone. Maybe someone needs to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you're standing next to someone and you guys were at it this morning on your way to church. Maybe you just need to squeeze their hand and look them in the eye and just say, I'm so sorry. I think we need to say sorry more often in our culture, in our society. We've lost the art of humility. I'm sorry. The power of I'm sorry. Or how about the power of I forgive you? Can we practice that real quick? I'm sorry. Can we say it again? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we practice? I forgive you. I forgive you. Maybe some of you need a few moments now as we close the service to just take a moment with your spouse and pray. Or maybe, maybe you need to say that to God. God, I'm hurt with you. I'm disappointed. Heal me. It's real. I'm just going to take a moment right now. We're just going to take few moments to pray. I don't know where you're at, but if that's you, can you just take a few moments to be real with God, be real with the spouse or your parent. Maybe your parent isn't here and you've been a jerk to them or maybe parent, you've been a jerk to your child or I don't know. The house of God is a place of reconciliation and restoration. I declare now for healing to be in this house, Father. Lord, I declare right now your power. I declare your peace. I declare your healing over every single woman, every single man that might be hurting, that might be cut, where wounds might be deep. Father, I pray that you would heal. Give them strength, my God. I pray, Lord God, where perhaps our our patterns, our habits could be dishonoring, that today we can start making strides towards honor and, and respecting each other, Father. I pray that we wouldn't just wait until the day that someone dies to start paying them respect. That we would start honoring the people that you've given us and protecting them. 
In Jesus' name. Father, we give you this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.